the value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. Juliana and Eugene, you and the team think that in order to generate alpha in emerging markets, that a sustainable approach is the only approach. Um, but I would actually argue that that you and the team go one step further. And, and that's because, you know, you do the work, you meet the companies, you dig deeper. And actually, in addition to all of that, you travel to, to meet the companies locally in order to gain those additional insights. And I think very recently, you've both just returned from a research trip in China and Korea. That's right. It was our first trip back since 2019. And not only did we visit first-tier cities like Beijing, Shanghai, uh, Hangzhou and Shenzhen, but also second-tier cities, um, Xiamen and Foshan. Yes, uh, we met uh, 36 companies across the EV batteries makers and uh, uh, software providers, SME financing, consumer goods industries who provide sustainable solutions in areas of financial inclusion, digital inclusion and decarbonization, among others. And to your point on um, ESG research, sustainability research and doing the work, I think um, ESG, mainstream ESG data providers are not able to cover emerging markets very effectively. And, and actually what we see not only in EM, but also globally, is that there is remarkable lack of consistency across different providers. Um, then in emerging markets, on top of that, you have the lack of, of good data, you have uh, poor coverage, and that means we as investors can't rely on that. And, and our trip only reinforced this. So our approach is to do the work ourselves. It's to meet the management teams, uh, speak to specialists, read independent research, and that way we can build conviction uh, in our cases. So in terms of who you met on the research trip itself, you met with a number of companies within the software industry. So what additional insight did you gain from that industry? And, and why do you think there's a sustainably linked growth opportunity there? I'm going to give you a few staggering data points. 99% of all companies in China are SMEs. They contribute to 75% of job creation, 60% of GDP, and 50% of tax income. Um, but they tend to be very inefficient. They don't have access to di digital solutions. They typically rely on very basic approaches to enterprise management, including spreadsheets or even just calculations on a piece of paper. And we believe that this is where companies that address these opportunities can make a significant difference. Yeah. To further add to that, the OECD studies shows that digital solutions have a material impact on um, SME productivity. The smaller the companies is, the larger the relative impact is. Therefore, we believe that digital inclusion for SMEs is playing a crucial role to the inclusive de economic development of China, likewise for many other emerging markets. And in terms of a, a, a company example of that? Um, sure, I'll give you one. Um, so in Shenzhen, we met the management of Kingdi, one of the leading enterprise resource planning software providers in China, um, whose customers range across micro to large businesses. Chinese companies of all sizes spend very little on IT, only 3% of GDP in 2020 and half of the developed markets level. 
And most of that actually goes into hardware and telco devices, while the software spending is only 12 bips of GDP. So as you can imagine, it's at the very early stage and uh, represents an exciting growth opportunity. Last year, um, Kingdi provided ERP software solutions in areas such as financial accounting, human resources, and taxation to more than 310,000 entities in China, driving the digital inclusion and also making a real impact. Um, management also pointed out that they are benefiting from the policies that aim to make China more self-sufficient in key technology areas, such as um, including um, the uh, software. So they are also expected to benefit from the economic recovering following China's COVID policy pivot. Kindi's customers have been waiting to adopt new software solutions and until they feel more confident with the economic outlook. So from one growth opportunity to another, um, another enormous opportunity that you often both mention is decarbonisation. And, you know, I think looking forward, we expect 90% of carbon emissions growth to come from emerging markets, which, which is yet another staggering stat. So maybe it'd be good to understand whether that is a threat or is it in fact an opportunity? And relating that to your trip, what additional insights did you, did you gain on that? Yeah, uh, it's both. It's both a threat and an opportunity. In terms of in terms of opportunities, we're looking for solution providers. So we're looking for companies that help to drive decarbonization. And in terms of understanding the risk, we assess the the, the potential costs that a company might have to pay um, for its greenhouse gas emissions, or understanding the risks um, related to climate change uh, in 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 all other ways as well. And um, one company that we met during our trip that helps address this, a solution provider, is Syllogy. Syllogy is a power management semiconductor designer that is um, seeing as its most material growth opportunity, the electrification of vehicles. So through that, it is a material contributor to decarbonization. And when you look at the um, uh, analog semiconductor market in, in China, it is actually accounting for 60% of the global. And yet Chinese providers only take up 15% of that. So there is a also a, a large localization opportunity that we believe uh, Syllogy will benefit from. Yeah, we visited uh, Syllogy's showroom in Hangzhou and saw where Syllogy's um, chips went into the electrical vehicles. Management expect that the analog content per vehicle to increase from seven US dollars in 2022 to thirty dollars in 2023 and sixty dollars in 2024. The value could further expand with. Um, BMS uh, battery management systems entering production in 2025. Syllogy is a domestic leader, but its global market share is uh, only around 2.5%. Another growth area that you mentioned, Eugene, at the very beginning was financial inclusion. And I think related to that growth area, you met with Pingang um, on your trip, which is one of China's largest uh, listed companies. Given it is such a large cap, what role can Pingang play in in you know meeting underserved needs in emerging markets, well, the scale of these um, underserved cohorts is is just so large that companies of all sizes can contribute. Um, a quarter of the world's population don't have access to the most basic financial product, a deposit account. So that's just under two billion uh, individuals. And in China, there's the additional structural issue, which is that 
most financial entities are state-owned and they act primarily um, as, as, as vehicles to implement government policy. And they tend for therefore to be quite risk averse. They don't normally address these groups very well. And therefore, we th see this is, as a, um, an opportunity for a company like Pinga to contribute. In this case, not so much uh, deposit accounts or loans, which are also uh, important financial products, but insurance. Yeah, China continues to offer attractive growth opportunities for insurers. This is driven by low insurance coverage, rising disposable incomes, and uh, aging population. On top of that, we also see the rising medical inflation and the higher reliance on out-of-pocket healthcare spends. Ping'an aims to become a one-stop shop for integrated finance and healthcare service provider. And China remains an underserved market with only 40% of Ping'an's customers have multi-product coverage. In 2021, Ping'an um, served more than 30, uh, 63 million customers in priority areas, including life insurance, contributing substantially into financial inclusion. You mentioned um, rising disposable income, so I just want to focus on that a little bit more. In China, we are, you know, we're seeing the economy shift from fixed asset investments to one that's more consumption led. And then within that, we're seeing that mid to high household income cohort being the one that's growing the fastest. So maybe just give a little bit more colour on why you think that that's a sustainability linked opportunity. We believe that companies that can capture structural opportunities linked to consumption in a sustainable way are more likely to be successful and therefore more likely to be the leaders of tomorrow in EM. Um, therefore, yes, consumption is absolutely a structural growth area that we're, that we're looking to, um, to, to address in our portfolio. We believe that one of the companies that do so well is a company called Foshan Haitian. It's one of the companies we saw when we went to China. We visited their headquarters in Foshan. We um, we got to see all of their products. We spoke to the board secretary, and it's actually a great example of how we how we gain insights on the team. And this is a company that not long ago um, received the lowest score by an external ESG ratings provider, a very um, a mainstream one because there was a uh, misunderstanding with regards to the sourcing of the soybeans of the company. Now, um, the company can trace the sourcing of all of its raw materials. So that goes across soybeans, tomatoes, chilies, oysters. And um, and not only that, we also um, understood during our trip that one of their fastest growing product categories is the organic range. And this organic range of sources is um, uses only organic raw materials. It uses biodegradable PET bottles and it's successful. It's a, it's a key growth driver for the company, something that we would not understand by reading uh, a simple, um, um, not definitely not by, by relying on a score, but definitely not even by reading uh, a research report. So that is, uh, I think, a great example of, of what we seek to do to do on the team. Yeah, I really like the fact that you've you've kind of finished where, where we started and really reinforcing the point where, you know, if you want to generate alpha in this region that you really do need, you need to do the work and you need to travel to meet these these companies and, and, their, and their premises. Um, there quite clearly um, is a significant opportunity in emerging markets. And I think following this approach as we do within the team is the best way, in our view, to generate that alpha that's that's truly invaluable to our, to our clients. So yeah. thank you to you both. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only.
and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider.